Then a conference was coming up where I was going to speak about five ways having a podcast can change your life. And then I knew that at the conference, if I don't have books, then I'm gonna miss an amazing opportunity to make a little bit of money. So I hurried up and I put the book together. I already had been working on the book a little bit, but I really put, put my feet to it. Maybe three months it took me to get the book published. Hello, you're listening to Podcast Growth Hacks, where I talk to podcasters of all experience levels to unpack the most powerful growth tactics they used to grow their podcast. I'm Pat Chung. And if you're a podcaster, well then subscribe so that together we can all learn and experiment with how to grow our own podcasts. All right, so today we are chatting with Jonathan Jones, the host of Your Podcast Mentor Show. Jonathan has been doing this podcast since April 2020 with over 182 episodes. Jonathan is a two-time TEDx speaker and a best-selling author. I first met Jonathan at PodFest 2022, where I saw him speaking on stage. And right there at his session, I followed him on Instagram. And a couple hours later, he followed me back with an audio message in my DM. Well played, Jonathan. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Pat, I'm good. I'm good, man. Glad to be here. Glad to hang out with you. Uh, man, thanks for the opportunity. I can't wait to dive into your growth hacks. But first, I mentioned we connected because you sent me an audio message in my Instagram DM. I love that tactic. So do you do that with everyone that connects with you? Yeah. So I want to make sure that people really get that one. That I think by far is one of the best growth hacks that there possibly could be. Because if somebody takes the time to follow you on their social media, and then you respond with an audio message, you're going to hear two things. Somebody's like, oh, no, no, no way. This is a personal message for me. No way. This is you or this is automated or whatever. Right. You're going <laughs> right. to hear that. But then the second part might be, oh, wow, that's super cool. Nobody's ever sent me an audio message. So I love to do that because I do like to build a relationship and I like to be aware of who are the people that are following me and also just learn more about them. No, I love it. It gave such a personal touch to it. But yeah, we'll dive into it later. But first, before we dive into all the stuff, I want to get some background about you and mm -hmm. your podcast. What's your main show about? Or maybe you have a couple. Yeah, so I've picked up and put down a few shows over time. Uh, currently, I'm the host of two shows. So my main show is called Your Podcast Mentor Show with Jonathan Jones. And there I focus on uh, podcast news, podcast how-tos, and also interviews. So spotlighting other podcasters and giving them the platform to share about their story and their show. And now I'm currently a co-host of a limited series. And this podcast is called the Athletes Unite Conference Podcast. So we sat down and we put together a podcast and this is geared towards just helping drive awareness for the upcoming conference in a few weeks. So that's my two podcasts, but your podcast mentor show is my bread and butter. That's cool. And is the other show, what's it called again? Yeah. So the other show is called the Athletes Unite Conference Podcast. And my co-host is Miss Classy James, and she is the curator of that conference. That's neat. So you're just building that show just as a miniseries pre-conference, then it sounds like. Exactly. Exactly. So we're going to bring on some of the speakers. Um, we're going to get to shout out some of the sponsors. 
And then after the conference happens, then we'll make a decision of what happens with the podcast. But for right now, the sole focus is to promote the conference. That totally makes sense. And you being a podcast mentor kind of makes you the perfect person to produce and host that podcast. So tell us a little bit about your background. You're coming to this with an athletic background, right? Yeah, so, so that's accurate. So many people may see me, and I'm tall in stature. However, I was never the best athlete. In high school, I was on the JV team, and I didn't play that much. And then I went on to finish out getting my four-year degree, but I played at the University of Texas at Tyler. And this is what I knew, right? I enjoyed going to the gym. I enjoyed playing basketball. But then after I graduated, I wasn't sure of what I was going to do. So then we, we can fast forward time a little bit. And then over time, after trying a lot of different stuff from doing all the retail jobs and delivering phone books door to door, mm. I fell in love with speaking. And then after speaking for a few years, then that was when I started a podcast because I wanted to expand my message. I wanted to expand my voice. And from that point, you know, that was when I really fell in love with podcasting. So did you create a show around athletes? Because you said you had a show before, podcast mentor mm -hmm. show, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll, I'll rewind it back and I'll, I'll give you the whole lay of the land. <laughs> okay. so, just so you know. So, so uh, when I first started, I had a show called the Jonathan Jones Speaks Podcast. Oh, and yeah. it was just so much of me on the cover. It was me. It was my name, my logo. And I changed the name of it to the Speaker Success Show. And this mm. was geared towards millennials. And I wanted to just empower and encourage millennials because the tagline was speak your success, believe in your greatness and create the life and business of your dreams. So it was geared towards doing those things, helping them to either believe, helping them to critically think or helping them to create something. And then after about 275 episodes and $75 in sponsorship, I put that podcast <laughs> down. Okay. I know it was a lot of money, a lot of money. So yeah, I put, I put that podcast down and then that was when I started the Beyond the Ball podcast right around the time the pandemic mm. hit, because this is the one to where I was catering it towards student athletes and the staff that serve and support them, because there are many student athletes who are going through this phase of trying to figure out who they are as a person outside of their sport. And so as this was something that I struggle with, the, the tagline for this show was helping student athletes succeed beyond their degree. So I would bring on former athletes and I would bring on different people to introduce the audience to different career paths and different things that they can potentially be doing. And ultimately I leveraged this podcast beyond the ball to position me to be able to speak to these student athletes at colleges and at universities. And then I hired a business coach. He said, John, I know you like talking to the student athletes, but let's go ahead and put that podcast down for a second. Mm. So I put that one down. That one hurt to put down. It really hurt. Yeah. It really hurt, Pat. Uh, Cause I, I love speaking to student athletes. And then he said, well, John, if you want to be the guy that's known for podcasting, if you want to be the guy to where people have podcast questions that go to you, then you have to brand yourself around podcasting. So that was when he gave me the idea to start a podcast about podcasts. I see. Mm -hmm. I do want to unpack that a little bit because it seems like your podcast kind of flows into another business. And I thought that student athlete one actually seems very close to what you do too. Like even this conference that you mentioned that you're going to, it's like a mm -hmm. athletic type of conference. 
well, why put it down? Was that good advice? And did you feel comfortable with it? Because it seems like some other parts of your business is still around athletes. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, so first, that's an excellent question. And, and this is why I think it's so necessary to have either a coach or a consultant who's on the outside looking in. Because in hindsight, I could have kept the podcast, but then people who came to my page and they knew me as the guy with the podcast for student athletes, that could potentially deter somebody who is a client looking to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. So, so when we look at it like that, in, in that respect, I am very comfortable with it now. I didn't want to do it then, but also another piece that I want to just, just talk about is the fact that with me doing what I do now and helping people launch and leverage podcasts, that can still be applied to helping those student athletes. And I right. can still go speak to those student athletes based on prior experiences of my life. This platform of podcasting opens me up to a broader array of opportunities versus me really, 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 really being niched down in working with colleges, talking to student athletes, because that's a niche audience, which right. I don't think anything's wrong with a niche audience. But for what I want to do and how I want to expand and I want to grow the business, uh, this was the best route. So, you know, I have to have to give the flowers to uh, my coach, Words Taylor, who told me to put the podcast down. Uh, but since putting it down, you know, I've been able to generate more revenue in the first six months of this year, actually like the first four months of this year, than I was able to generate the previous year focusing on the podcast for student athletes. So even though you're not doing a podcast for student athletes, but because you're a podcast expert and because you've had this background as an athlete doing a podcast. Yeah, because I listened to some of these uh, basketball podcasts like JJ Reddick's podcast. It seems like that's like the playbook. So I imagine a lot of uh, up and coming student athletes might want to take a page of that playbook. And if they're going to find someone, they're going to find maybe a podcast coach. Is that kind of how you think about it? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely how I think about it because a lot of these student athletes, honestly, I've seen, I've probably seen at this point, probably like 10, 20 student athletes who have started podcasts across the country, but the majority of them have started and they've stopped or they started and they've quit. So mm -hmm. there's a gap because there's a learning curve. In addition to a lot of student athletes, maybe in the space to where th they don't have a realistic expectation of the podcast. They want to mm -hmm. start it because they want to start it. They don't know what can come from it. They don't know what's possible. And, and it's not the fact of them not knowing it because, you know, they're ignorant or anything like that or lazy, which I'm not saying, but they just don't know what's possible because they haven't spent as much time in the industry as people like you or people like me. If a student athlete asked me, John, how can I come up with a creative way to leverage a podcast? Mm -hmm. I would ask them a few questions and I would just try to get clear on like, what's your long-term plan for this? What do you want this to do for you? And then based on them sharing those thoughts, then I would be able to let them know, well, first of all, you know, if you're trying to find a way to engage with the audience or with fans, then, you know, we want to get a, a pod inbox. You know, of course, Pat, you know, they got to, they got to get the pod inbox. And, <laughs> and after me and you talked and after you've, uh, after you broke it down to me, I was like, the pod inbox makes a lot of sense, man. But in, in all honesty, it's just one of those things to where if I've spent more time thinking about your problem than you have, of course, right. I'm going to have more solutions because I've spent more time thinking about it and looking at it. So that's just my thoughts. Yeah, it totally makes sense. So it sounds like you've repositioned yourself as a podcast mentor with the podcast mentor show. So if anyone, whether it's an athlete or someone else 
need some podcasting advice or consulting. That's what you do. So is that your main business? You mentioned after pivoting, it's really helped you grow your business. What is your business? What are you selling? Yeah. So my business is a podcast mentor. And ultimately what I'm really selling, Pat, is confidence. And mm -hmm. it might not seem like that, but that's really what I'm selling because in my mentorship group, I have doctors, I have a nurse, I have a, a father, I have a YouTuber. Like these are all different people in different avenues. And one of the individuals, his name is RJ Zimmerman. RJ joined my program, which is to help people start their podcast mm -hmm. and then ultimately leverage it. RJ joined my program with 80 something episodes already recorded and published. Wow. Dr. Derek Burgess, he joined the program probably with like 30 some episodes published. So it, it's mm. not the fact that I'm showing people how to do something that they don't know how to do or mm. that they haven't seen done before, but it comes to the point of time where you want a personalized or a customized approach and you want somebody there that's going to answer your question when you need it answered. You want somebody there that's going to affirm you in what you're doing and you want somebody just to give you like a little nudge in case you need it. So that that's really what I do because you know, like I know Pat, the majority of people, when we talk about podcasting, people will tell you their idea and then you kind of can look at them as they're telling you, if they're telling you in person to look for a little bit of confirmation. Like, is it a good idea or do you think I can do this? Or mm -hmm. is, is the market too saturated? Or, and people ask the same, the same questions, the imposter syndrome questions. So. Ultimately, that's what I do. I help them with a realistic look at what's possible with their podcast. And then we go under the hood and then, you know, we, we get them going. Right. So you don't help produce it. In terms of the production, I will either refer them to a VA or I will show them how to produce it through my oh, okay. course. I walk through everything. Start, I see. Uh, start, manage, monetize, market, all that. I walk through all of that, Got but it. at the same time. Uh, when it comes to producing, Pat, I'm not one of the guys who's getting under the hood. <laughs> I will record a show. I will cut off the front, pop on an intro, cut off the back, pop on an outro, yeah. and then publish it. I'm not touching the EQ and all these other things. <laughs> I love how you practice what you preach, too. Because like earlier you mentioned, you have a business coach. And just having some third party take a look at what you're doing is totally invaluable. So it's cool that even you hire some kind of business mentor or business coach, even as you're providing podcast coaching services. So why are you doing this podcast? Is it mainly to build reputation? Like, do you care about sponsorships or anything like that? So for me, the reason this podcast has come to fruition is because I want to be known as the podcast mentor, right? I want people to say, oh, that's your podcast mentor. So I want to be known in the space. I want to be the spot to where the people who don't know about podcast news or podcast business journal, I want the general public to see me as the source for podcast news and podcast how-tos type stuff. So it's positioning because if I have that level of positioning and I have that level of authority, then when I go to talk with the corporation or when I go to talk with the small business and they're looking at somebody to help them launch and leverage their podcast, I'll be the first resort. So right. in terms of that, that's what I'm looking for. I want to be the podcast authority. In addition to that, and well, let, let, me, let me say this first, because if I ask you, who is the first person that you think about when you hear of somebody talking about podcasting, who would you say, Pat? 
I would say Evo Terra. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Who 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 would be second? Second? Mm-hmm. Um or maybe Pat Flynn. You said Pat Flynn? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, you say Pat Flynn because you've been around the podcast and ecosystem for a while. Because a lot of people don't even say Pat Flynn, so that's a good point. (laughs) But here's my point. I have not seen someone who is black or brown who is mentioned when you talk about podcasting. And that's not a a pick at you, but just in general. Right. I don't know of one. So I think there's an opportunity to take up space there. Uh, But but, but to to your point about sponsorships, do I care about sponsorships? Mm, I mean, if the price was right and if the, <laughs> if the core values were aligned, then yeah, I'm open for it. But at the same time, I have my own podcast products that I can offer somebody or my, my own book or my own services. Right. So I can sponsor myself. So right. if the price is right and if it makes sense to benefit the audience, then uh, yeah, I, I definitely do it. But if right. not, then, you know, we'll have to see. I guess one of the reasons why I ask, because we're about to dive into your uh, growth hacks. I often ask that question because some people who don't need to monetize directly, I say directly, like, especially with like sponsorships, they Mm -hmm. don't really think about needing to grow it really large for those kind of CPM type numbers. Mm -hmm. Because if it's kind of a lead funnel, your podcast is just like one of many things you do. A lot of people are pretty happy with like smaller, more niche audience sizes. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the context of why I asked, but let's dig into your main growth hack. Now, I know you're a published author and a TEDx speaker. You're a great speaker. I heard you speak on stage. Tell us about your TEDx experience. How did that happen? And how does that contribute to what you do as a podcaster? Man, that's so difficult to be able to pinpoint. So one way I think it contributes when they ask you to submit your bio to speak, <laughs> uh-huh. when they ask you to submit your bio to speak, for me to be able to put two times TEDx speaker, two times best-selling author, yeah. like I would be naive if I said that I don't think that that plays a part and that's specifically <laughs> why I put it in the bio. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I, I do feel that that contributes a part, at least in somebody wanting to, or be willing to come hear me speak. Yeah. I mean, does it help with your business and with your podcast growth? Yeah. Okay. Excellent question. So in terms of helping my business, I say yes, because. If we go for a wow factor, right? If you go to podcast movement, if you go to um, PodFest, okay? Mm-hmm. If you go to the Black Podcast Festival 2022, or if you go to Afros and Audios, the wow factor of you having a podcast now is eliminated because you're in an ecosystem of podcasters, right? So. That's a wow factor that the general public, they hear you, oh, you have a podcast? Wow, right? So that's one of the wow factors. But when we talk about being a public speaker, right? Somebody who's a public speaker, people are impressed by that. Mm-hmm. So by me being able to say, I have a TEDx or I've done multiple TEDx, people always say, wow. And then they say, well, what did you talk about? So I feel that that definitely helps in the business aspect because People want to know more about the experience in terms of contributing to my podcast growth. I would say no. Mm. And the reason, and the reason I say no is because if you're searching for a podcast, you're not really going to look up or you're not going to really see that stat or that information unless you go like a little bit deeper. So you're going to see my cover art that says your podcast mentor show. 
Um, but other than that, I, I, I would I would say no, not in terms of contributing to my podcast growth. Uh, but if we looked at it from the lens of, okay, I, you use the TEDx and the bio to get the speaking opportunity, and then you find out about me through the speaking opportunity, if we trace it back like that, then I guess you could say maybe one or two listens could, could count from that. And yeah, I saw you on stage and I watched your TEDx talks, which I'll include those links in the show notes. You are a great public speaker and being a TEDx speaker does give you instant credibility. And you're right, I've never done a TEDx talk myself. And it's probably infinitely harder for me to get a spot on one of these podcast conference stages. Actually, I was a first time panelist at the most recent podcast. And even then they were probably thinking, okay, this guy is totally untested on stage. Let's just give him a panel spot, but let's hold off on giving him his own session on stage. So yeah, I totally agree. Having TEDx on your resume definitely helps getting more speaking opportunities at specific industry conferences. So let's move on to your other growth hack. You talked about being a two-time best-selling author. So tell us more about that and about your books. So one book is the Get Paid With Podcasting book. And this is, so I want to take a step back. I want to take a step back. And I want to say this, since we're talking about growth hacks, the biggest growth hack ever would be finding a spot where there's a gap and then just drilling down, going forward an inch and going 10 miles deep. And I used to hear mm. people say that all the time. And I was like, how does that even make sense? How does that make sense? How does that make sense? And here's why. So I wrote my first book. My first book is called Process 14 Surprisingly Simple Behaviors to Skyrocket Millennials to Success, right? Mm -hmm. It was a positioning tool for me to get positioned, to get speaking engagements because it's a book, right? That's another wow factor. But then after I put out the first book, then I was asking myself, what do I want to be known for? What do I want to be known for? And that's when I put out this Get Paid With Podcasting book, because like I told you before, and this is the same thing I teach, like uh, my mentorship group, it's about building your authority. I have a podcast about podcasting. I have a best-selling book about podcasting. I spoke at PodFest about how to get more guests on your podcast. So I'm just drilling, 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 drilling down to where when people see me, I'm directly associated with podcasting. And there's no better way if you, so if you're starting from square zero and you don't have a podcast about something, you can start with the podcast or you can start with the book. I don't think either is right to do one or the other first, but both of them create the opportunity for you to drill down and for you to show people that you're an expert or you're an authority in a space because you're putting out a book on it or you're putting out content mm -hmm. on it. And the craziest part about it, Pat, is it can be your perspective. It can, it just, ha it just needs to be your perspective and it just needs to have some level of proof of concept, like you're doing with Grove Hacks. Like, how can you show us that by you having this book, that this has helped you be, be more successful in business or wherever? So did you I'm, write your book before you launched your podcast, this one? No. So I launched the podcast and then a conference was coming up where I was going to speak about five ways having a podcast can change your life. And then I knew that at the conference, if I don't have books, then I'm going to miss an amazing opportunity 
to make a little bit of money. So I hurried up and I put the book together. I already had been working on the book a little bit, but I really put my feet to it. Maybe three months it took me to get the book published, edited. Wow, that's fast. But it, it was only fast because one, I've hired a book coach who was my dad. I paid him $5,000 for him to show me the process for my first book. And then after knowing and learning the process, then I was able to do this one a little bit faster because I knew what needed to be done. And I knew a little bit about the timeline. So that, that was helpful also. How did it become a bestseller? Yeah, yeah. Excellent question. So the way it works on Amazon, Amazon has a ranking system. So if you scroll down, like if you're looking and shopping at books and then you scroll down just before you get to the other recommended books or the other books that you might like based on, you know, that book, then uh, it, it rates the books. So, you know, it says this book is number 10 in consulting. This book is number 12 in self-development. So it, it has a ranking system. And then based on the amount of books that you sell within a set period of time, right? So if I'm able to sell a thousand books in the 12 to one o'clock hour, then as the numbers refresh, and then we're looking at like 130 or two, might be able to scroll down and might be able to see that I have moved up or I've elevated in the rankings. Got it. Uh, compared to like the other books in those categories. I see. And what category what was your book in? Uh, my book was in consulting. It was like business and consulting. I see. Is, is there a podcasting category? I'm not sure if there's a podcasting category. I'd have to go back and look, but there are a decent amount of podcasting books. So either there isn't a podcasting category just yet, um, right. or I guess I'm asking that cause I'm like, does Amazon let you niche down like to a very micro level where it gives more opportunity for people to say, oh, I'm a best-selling author in this podcast monetization category, uh, <laughs> kind of to hack the title a little bit, but you were actually in business consulting. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Th thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure if Amazon doesn't have one yet, they're going to have a category for it before 2028 because... <laughs> The industry is set to be a hundred billion dollars, 94.88 for splitting hairs, but it's coming, Pat, it's coming. <laughs> I heard that episode of yours. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more companies are putting money into it. So how did that affect your numbers? And speaking of numbers, how big is your podcast, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, yeah. Excellent question. So one thing, like we talked before, uh, I really don't look at the numbers, but when I've gone back and looked at the numbers, and I'll honestly, Pat, the majority of my episodes do not have a hundred listens. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. The majority of my episodes do not have, I, I believe there may be like one or two that might have a hundred listens. Mm -hmm. One was when I had a guest on, his name is Brian Bean and he broke down uh, million dollar frameworks. Uh, and he's the host of the instincts pond cast podcast <laughs> okay. films his podcast on his pond, which is super dope. Um, and then the other one, I believe it might've just been a solo episode. But the majority of my episodes probably have like 40 to 50 listens. Right. And there's, I'm sure there's a few different reasons why that might be the case. One, the biggest focus for me is growing my YouTube channel. So when I share my podcast, I share the link to the YouTube episodes versus, you know, the Spotify or the Apple episodes. But in addition to that, when I do share the episodes, I'll probably share like the Spotify link and stuff like that. For those episodes that spiked, what, what was the difference? How did those spike? Is it just because they have big audiences and they shared it or, or did you promote it differently? So with him, he has a strong audience on like Facebook. 
And then after I sat down and interviewed him, he, he did share it. He did share the content. Um, and his audience isn't that necessarily that big, but uh, I believe he has an engaged audience. So having an engaged audience helps. And then also I know he has an email list as well. So I would attribute it to those two things. And yeah, I, I would attribute it to, to those two things and just him being active on social media. Right. So he did help share it, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did a collaborative post on Instagram. We did a couple of collaborative posts on Instagram to where, you know, we both can share the same post and we're like on the same post together. Yeah, that mm -hmm. makes sense. I know those are the two main ones you wanted to talk about. Can you attribute your podcast growth to anything else? I think you might have mentioned guesting. Yeah. So one, one thing that I'm going to share, I believe it would be what I'm doing now because for the longest, Pat, for the longest, I've heard it, grow your email list. You should have a podcast email list. And I heard it and I was like, that's extra work. I don't want to yeah. do that. I just want to just do this podcast, record it and just ship it out and post it. But since then, uh, after going to, to PodFest and after going to just some other conferences, it's like, I need to start developing my email list and I need to mature as a podcaster and as a business owner, because if we never look at the podcast as a business, uh, then it won't generate business level revenue. So, um, one of the things I started doing, so for, uh, what, so for this month and next month I've been doing, I've been giving people like a free copy of my book. So I have the link in the bio. So people can get a free copy of my, my podcasting book to get paid with podcasting book. Wow. And when people get the book, you get the book, but you pay for the shipping. But after that, they get added to my email list. Mm -hmm. And currently going through that email sequence, I have like just under a hundred people. Oh, and wow. Okay. I haven't been doing it for, I have, I've maybe been doing it a little bit over a month, but I haven't been like really pushing, pushing it. So um, that by far, I would say is a major growth hack because let me, let me, let me walk you down through it, Pat. So the people buy the book, are they paid for the shipping for the book? The next email they get, I let them know your book is on the way, but then I also let them know, subscribe to my YouTube channel. And this is in the first email I'm saying, mm -hmm. if you're getting this, cause you're interested in learning more about podcasting. So you want to subscribe to my email channel to find out what Pat, to find out the latest in podcast how-tos, podcast news, and interviews, right? Mm -hmm. So they will be on the cutting edge with the stuff that I'm sharing. Mm -hmm. So then as they continue to stay in this email sequence, I'm continuing to feed them, I'm spoon feeding them links to my podcast episodes. I give them an audio link and I give them a video link to my YouTube channel, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can be lazy. And if somebody gives you the link, it makes it that much easier. So that, I can't measure in statistics just yet, but I have seen that the, uh, there has been a slight uptick in my YouTube channel here as of late. I think I got like 32 subscribers over the past like 28 days. For, for somebody somewhere like, oh, that's baby numbers. But I'm like, hey, it's gross. So I'll no, take it. That's great. Um, but yeah, so having an email list where you're nurturing people and you're, you're feeding people what they already want. Right. You're not yeah. making it hard for people to go find your latest episode or find episodes they've never listened to, but I'm sending it in an email. Right. Here's this episode. Here's that episode. Here's this episode. So um, by way of doing that, they're going to continue to learn. Hopefully they're going to like me a little bit more too. And then, uh, man, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see if they, if they help increase listenership or 
you know, right. we'll see if maybe I can, I can sell them on something. Right. I love it. Cause once you have their email list, it's like, they're kind of yours forever to keep marketing to and remarketing to. Mm -hmm. Um, so let me just break down that strategy a little bit. So you, I mean, you have a really high value lead magnet though, your best selling book. So that's a lot of work. <laughs> I think you said it took you three months, which is fast, but still a lot of work. Yeah. But that lead magnet, you're right, getting 100, that's impressive over a short amount of time. Did you have to put any work into promoting that lead magnet? Like, did you have to pay for ads or like, or would you just kind of mm -hmm. talk about it in your social? And I wish that was the case. So for one, I have put no ads up just yet. I'm getting positioned to put up some ads to where I don't have to talk about it as much and then it'll kind of run on its own. But in, in, in terms of promotion, Pat, I slide in people's DMs all the time. If I see somebody comment on a post about wanting to start a podcast or mm. they desire to start a podcast, I will DM them a voice memo and say, hey, what's going on, Pat, man, I see you have this, this cool platform over here, man, Pod Inbox. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Mm. And then sometimes they'll write back, sometimes they won't. But either way, for me, my goal is just to continue to educate people on podcasting. So if that's my goal, then I have to do the action that's connected to it, which is reaching out to the people, reaching out to the masses and just doing that legwork. So, Cause I won't have to do it always. And right. I'm probably only gonna have to do it for like another couple of weeks. But right. the fact of the matter is if I don't put myself out there, how will more people find out about me? How will more people find out about my show? They right. won't. So I have to do it. That's great advice. I, actually, I love that advice because I think a lot of podcasters, yeah, they think they're just going to create great content and people will come. Mm -hmm. um, I was literally just talking to another podcaster yesterday about this, that there's a stage of hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's kind of what I'm calling what you're saying. It's like, you got to do hand-to-hand -hand combat for at least the first hundred listeners, maybe even the first thousand listeners. Then you just kind of grow slowly by, yeah, sliding into people's DMs directly. And that's kind of like a surefire way to get on people's radars. So I love that. Well, we're kind of running out of time. And I usually love to finish with our famous quick fire questions at the end. But okay. before I dive into that, we're a pretty new podcast. And it's pretty rare for us to have a podcast mentor. What's one piece of advice you give to all podcasters? Yeah, no, no, no. What, so one piece of advice, and this would go for people if they're starting out, and this would go for people if they're advanced. So the first part would be get uncomfortable, right? The people can't see, but I have a picture behind me that says uncomfortable. And I'm saying get uncomfortable because if you're in the front end, you're, the, level of uh, the level of uncomfortability for you will, not, will be not putting out the show. Mm. So you have to get uncomfortable and put out the show. The person who's further along we can get comfortable in what we've done in our branding and who we've made ourselves to be, but then you have to reinvent yourself, right? So for me, I enjoy looking at my cover art from time to time, but I know that it's about time for me to upgrade my cover art. So I'm going to do that. I don't necessarily want to, it's going to be a little bit uh, of work for me, but I have to get uncomfortable. And that's how we grow as podcasters. We make the adjustments, we take the time and we do the assessment. And then we move forward. So assess, adjust, and keep on moving. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Do you just make that up? The, the assess and the adjustment, yeah. I wanted <laughs> to give you a third A. I wanted to give you a third A. Because I like three points. But to say adjust, assess, adjust, and keep on moving. I like I it. I don't even know. All right. I don't even know.
Yeah. I, I like it. It sounded like a, a tagline. Might have to steal that. So, all right. Final quick fire questions. And you already answered the first. My first one's always, do you collect the listener emails? Sounds like you just started. And I usually ask, how do you collect listener emails? And it sounds like you have a book as a lead magnet. So that's a great hack. Second question is, what's the one podcast you recommend the most besides your own? Ooh, it depends on who we're talking to. It depends. Mm. It really depends on who we're talking to. But if somebody who's looking to learn more about podcasting, it would definitely be Tanner with Good Morning Podcasters. Because, mm. I mean, he just does a great job and he goes every day. So Tanner, man, Tanner, he's the guy. I agree. I love his podcast and I can't wait to get him on the show. And you're right. Every day, I don't know how people do it. Third question, how much time do you spend on your podcast per week? Ooh, probably not even an hour, honestly. If I do a solo episode, that can easily be five to 10 minutes, if that long. From there, it might take me 10 to 15 minutes to chop up a few clips. So not even an hour in the week, honestly. And you edit and all that stuff yourself too, or? Uh, but just like I was telling you before, it's minimal editing for me at this point. So now I'll set up, I mean, I'll write down three points I want to hit. I'll set my camera up, let it roll, pop an intro on, pop an outro on, upload. The process of uploading, it might, the process of editing, recording, and uploading might take me 20 to 30 minutes. And that's on the long end. Hmm. Wow. That's really quick. That's awesome. What's your favorite podcast tool? Favorite podcast tool. This might not necessarily be a podcast tool, but uh, I'm going to go with Ecamm Live because mm. I like to use it. Uh, I, I, I like to do, like I said, the how-tos, like to uh, share podcast news like that. And I even did like a, a quick walkthrough of Pod Inbox, which is going to be coming to my YouTube channel really soon. So <laughs> Awesome. So Ecamm Live is really relevant for YouTubers. Heard a lot about it. Never used it myself. Uh, last question. What's your primary call to action at the end of each of your episodes? Primary call to action, it would be subscribing to my YouTube channel. Uh, if it's not, you know, get getting my book, the primary call to action would be subscribe to the YouTube channel. And what's the YouTube channel called? The YouTube channel is Your Podcast Mentor dash Jonathan Jones. But if you type in Your Podcast Mentor, uh, it should pop up. Right on. Well, thanks so much for your time, Jonathan. It was awesome speaking to you. So you heard it, folks. Go to YouTube, type in your podcast mentor in the search bar. You'll find Jonathan's YouTube and subscribe because he's got a ton of great info in there. Thanks so much, Pat. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to Podcast Growth Hacks. If you like the show, please tell a fellow podcaster about it. This really does help keep our show going. And if you have a podcast growth question that you're kind of curious about, well, I'd love to hear from you. You can leave me an audio message by going to podinbox.com slash podcast. Once again, that's podinbox.com slash podcast. I'll include that link in my show notes. I personally respond to all questions I receive there. And once I get your question, I'll find the podcasting expert to answer it on an upcoming episode. We'll play your question and I'll even give you a shout out. Until the next episode, keep creating and keep growing your show.